Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey guys, welcome to this week's podcast episode. Happy New Year. I've got a fantastic guest for you today, Deborah Boggs, and she's an executive career job search and board candidate expert. And she's got a fantastic story. Today's topic is going to be all about business, corporate board, and it's going to be a fantastic discussion. So, Deborah, welcome. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really looking forward to it, Christopher. Yeah. Um, and I love this uh, idea. So, you know, I love this conversational style. Set the stage for the audience about your business, your background, your experience, and the work that you currently do now. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so I launched, scaled, and now run an executive career management firm, so DNS Executive Career Management. And what that means um, for us today is that we work with VP to board-level leaders to prepare for and navigate their high-level searches. So we're not a search firm. We don't do placements, but we're like the home stagers to make a luxury property look expensive before it goes on the market. Yeah, so that's the work that we do. And um you know, I had a winding road to get here. I didn't actually intend to start a business, and I certainly didn't intend to uh, to do the work that I'm doing today. But um, at the start of it, I just really loved working with candidates to prepare for their their job searches, help them, you know, um, gain confidence to go for stretch roles and things like that. And um, and I had done that on the side, and it kind of snowballed and took over my life as a passion project. And uh, and a few years ago, my firm really uh, niched down in working with executives because we found that the the executive job search and the way senior leaders need to take themselves to market is completely different. And the way that uh, you know they go to market, do the job search process, everything that's involved in that is different than for everybody else. And so we wanted to really um, offer a service for that group of people that weren't really um, well served with a lot of other firms at the time. Yeah, it's quite interesting because, um, you know, uh, talk about um, how this project that you're doing full-time, you know, started out as a side because a lot of people are doing, you know, side incomes and then they kind of want to do this full-time and uh, talk talk about navigating that journey. Oh, absolutely. So um, we've been officially in business um, seven years, a little over seven years now. Um, but when we first started, I say we, because I really started this with my husband and then I um, replaced him in the business during the pandemic. <laughs> um, when he took a more active role in taking care of our kids in school at home and all of that stuff. But, you know, rewind back further. And I had been working as director of career services for a university. And I thought that was my dream job. I thought that was it for me. It was what I wanted. I was really excited about it. I had worked really hard to get it. And I realized that I liked it. But the pieces that gave me the most energy and the most joy and, you know, working directly with candidates was the smallest part of my job. And so when I left that role, um, I actually took another corporate role. I was um, vice president of business development for an online training company. But I kept doing this resume writing on the side, kind of as a side hustle passion project, because I feel like I had all this creative energy and I wanted to 
do something with it. I didn't necessarily know that was going to be a business at the time. Had I known it was going to be a business at the time, I maybe, maybe would have set up some processes and standards up front. Instead, I had to go back and kind of put those things in place later. Um, but I did that part-time for about, as a side hustle, a freelancer for about six months. And then my husband and I sat down and we were like, you know, what would this be if we actually added some branding around it and tried to really make a name for ourselves in this industry? Um, so we did that, got a website, got a business name, did those things. And, and then my business continued to grow. And then it got to the point where I thought, you know, about six months later, I thought, what could this be if I could focus on it full time? Because right now, at that point, I had been turning business away. I had been, you know, I was too busy. I couldn't do all the things, all the opportunities that were coming to us because I had a demanding full time job. And so we actually decided to make the leap. And when I left my full-time role, I wasn't making full-time income yet, but I had enough income and enough opportunities to know that I could ramp up pretty quickly if I could just go all in. Um, and that's what I did. I, you know, we kind of just hopped in, went all in. Um, and within a few months, I was I was recovering my full-time income. Yeah. Interesting. And, and I love this um you know, for a lot of people who are interested in starting their side incomes and there's comes a point when basically you're, you're making enough income. And then kind of like, if you stick with your current situation, you're going to miss a lot of opportunities. So that's the time. And it's kind of like the opportunity cost. And, uh, mm -hmm. and I just love this idea where you take something on the side and do something full time. Um, so kind of, I love these themes. And so navigating the executive labyrinth and you've got ex extensive experience in executive career growth and share some of the most common challenges senior leaders face in the job market today and how can they effectively overcome them? Yeah, you know, that's such a great question. It's something we could talk about all day long. But I would say, you know, the most common challenge I see that executive job seekers make, you know, the most the the clients that come to me or the people that I typically have conversations with are people that have built their career through their network, through their, you know, reputation, getting promoted, getting recruited, you know, moving through, you know, getting um, opportunities to take things on and they grow their career kind of organically. And then they find themselves at a high rung on the ladder, but they've never had to do a job search at their level, right? They find themselves having to take themselves to market for the first time at this level. And they're ill prepared for what the executive job search looks like and how to do that and how to communicate their value and how to find opportunities and things like that. And so, you know, you, it's usually at this point, someone will call our firm and then they will send us a resume that is literally the exact same format that they used coming out of business school or out of uh, college. And they've just been adding to it. Right. And so the number one thing I would say, you know, is understanding how the executive job search is different. And the fact that you know, a lot of people just want to add the last job to that resume and then start applying online. And that's not effective for an executive job seeker because the competition is so much stronger for executive roles and there's less inventory of roles, right? There's less, you know, a company could have 20 people on the marketing team, but they only have one chief marketing officer. And so you have to think about um, your job search differently. And I think that's the first hurdle to overcome. Because I have, um, I'm part of this healthcare newsletter and it's, I've seen a lot of um, recent, you know, CEO tenure. It sounds like the the middle suite and the C suite is now um, the disruption is coming to them. Before it was kind of like the entry and just kind of the, you know, the employees. But now yeah. middle management and C suite, they're just now, you know, they're coming after their jobs, whatever it is, technology or regulation, all of that. And talk about the longevity of a middle manager and C suite. Here you see 
you know, executives getting fired, leaving, departing. It's almost like, uh, you know, it's almost like an airline CEO, you know, it's like their tenure is not very long. No, their tenures aren't always that long. There's a, I work with an expert in the executive compensation space, and he was um, a senior HR leader for several fortune ranked companies. And, and he was an employment lawyer. And, and he says that, you know, for, for C-level leaders, especially, it's not if you'll get fired, it's when you'll get fired. Everyone <laughs> will get fired at some point. And so it's preparing for that ahead of time. Um, but but so just knowing that at that level, you know, there's a ton of things that can happen, right? Um, if you're somewhere else on the VP or C-level team, not necessarily the CEO, if a new CEO comes in, they're going to want their own team. And that has nothing to do with you or your performance. It just is what it is. And so there's a lot of things that can happen to an executive career that people in the middle are more insulated from. Um, but, you know, once you get up to the top, the, you know, mistakes are glaring. They're, you know, sometimes you can, what, see them from, from space, right? Or they make it to the news. So there's just all sorts of things that happen that that you don't necessarily need to worry about at other levels. Yeah, it's, uh, like I said, in the past, it was kind of like the, um, the, the executives and kind of middle managers, they could kind of um, have a scapegoat. And, and now it's like, you know, people are now they're in the spotlight. They can't hide and run and you know um so there's a lot more transparency so next the next question is um beyond the job boards you know i haven't even checked these you know online job boards aren't always the best option for executive level job seekers most of the time it's who you know and what alternative strategies would you recommend for those looking for high level opportunities in today's market absolutely so you know what you what you don't want to do is the online job boards because number one the most companies are not going to fill senior level roles that way. And number two, there's a ton of reasons why you may not get um, called back that have nothing to do with your qualifications. But if you're applying online and that's your your main go-to-market strategy, then you're going to get rejection after rejection. And that's not going to help your ego, right? While you go through the process. Yeah. Um, and then you're going to need a healthy ego to go through the salary negotiation process, right? So like it all ties together. So uh, what I suggest is there's, you know, there's a few other channels that make more sense for executive job seekers. And the first is certainly networking. Your network is really going to be able to open doors for you. They're really going to be able to help you kind of bypass the line when it comes to um, applying online or, or sending a resume out. And 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 before you even start to network, I'm, you know, I'm going to take a step back and say the number one thing you want to do is decide on what your um what your focus is going to be. Get really clear on your ideal next opportunity. And the reason is at this level, you've done a lot of different things and you can probably do a lot of different things, but you can't, you know, you have to have a targeted job search or a ton of things are going to come at you. Right. And you want to be able to focus on what makes the most sense for you, what falls in your, you know, what the areas that you want to spend your time on, the types of companies you want to spend your time on and things like that. Because what we don't want to do is reach out to our network or start applying to jobs and just say, I'm available. Available for what, you know, so some, I think we all get those messages in LinkedIn. I know I certainly do all the time that say, you know, I'm looking for a new opportunity. Keep me in mind if you see anything yeah. that doesn't, uh, that doesn't tell me anything. And I can't help open a door for you if I don't know what that looks like. Right. So I always suggest get clear on your goal first, and then you can decide that your go-to-market strategy and your channels for the job search. So once you get really clear on your goal, then certainly you can start, you know, building and activating your network. Um, you can potentially work with recruiters and executive headhunters. Um, the caveat I would say to that is that's where if you're clear on your goal, then you can decide whether working with recruiters makes sense for you or not, because um, this could be a whole separate podcast. But recruiters don't work for the candidates. They work for the company and they're being mandated by the company to fill a very specific role with a very specific candidate. 
you know, so the candidates that are most attractive to recruiters are, you know, currently working or newly, you know, newly off work and, you know, not someone who's coming back from a long break. Um, someone who's looking for an apples to apples role in a in a similar industry with a similar title. Those things make you attractive to recruiters. If you're looking to make a big shift, um, then then again, it's kind of applying online, right? Where you're going to get a lot of rejections and think it's you. And it's not you. It's that you don't fit the profile for what they are working within. And then finally, the, the other option that's often overlooked is, is focusing on companies, not opportunities, and then networking into companies. And so, you know, um, looking at, okay, um, what are your, you know, what companies make sense for those ideal roles you're looking for? And then, you know, networking into those opportunities, because what would be great is if someone found you as a candidate and was like, wow, Christopher is amazing. He's got all the talent to take us to the next level. Where do we fit him in this company versus, oh, okay. So Christopher applied to this job. Does he match all of the criteria we're looking for against all these 400 other people that applied? Right. So it's a it's an often overlooked channel, and I love to use crunch-based data to find companies um, with all sorts of criteria uh, to help you think through options that you may not know about. Yeah, I read somewhere that you know a lot of uh, online postings are just ghost postings, or just posting, it and then majority of the time it's um, you know they already have somebody in mind. And which brings me to my next question is, you know, if, for example, if like the competition for like um, C-suite or, you know, executive level is so high and they already have people in mind, you know, if you're not an insider, you're, this is my guess, you know, you probably have 1% chance of just even getting your foot in the door, let alone just like multiple interviews and all of that. So what's to stop somebody from just saying, um, screw this. I'm going to start my own company. I'm going to become going to consulting, you know, I'm going to do my own thing. How do people navigate this decision? That's such a great question. And it's one I talk to my candidates about all the time, because especially our clients who've had these great leadership roles, um, sometimes are approached by companies to do a consulting role and they think, oh, you know, I want to, I want to be fractional or I want to be a consultant. I don't want to go back full time. And that's great. And some candidates do really, really well at that. The thing that I caution a lot of people about is that there's a lot more involved in becoming a consultant or working fractional that they're not seeing. Um, sometimes you don't see, right? You're building a business and you're constantly hustling for your next opportunity or your next contract, right? And so if you're not comfortable with sales, um, so this happens a lot with, say, um, you know, sometimes with, you know, corporate compliance, or I see it a lot with like supply chain or things like this that aren't naturally sales oriented and they want to do consulting and unless you have a very deep network and don't mind you know being forward and asking for things that can be just as hard as a job search except you're doing it all the time yeah which uh it's kind of interesting because um which brings me to my uh, next question is um you know you've got this thriving business and the next step is kind of um you know the first step to success and what do you believe is the most important initial step in launching an effective job search, especially those targeting executive or, or board level positions? Yeah, you know, I think the first thing and the, the thing that I tell my candidates is to get, and I know we already touched on a little bit, but is to get clear on that on that ideal role, right? You want to really understand what you're looking for because that will inform every other piece of your job search, including pulling your resume together, your LinkedIn profile, your job search strategy, all of that stuff, who you're going to network with. Having a clear picture on the front end makes everything else easier. The other thing is I would say really understand your unique value and then weave those into your executive resume and your LinkedIn profile and again, all of these other things because at, at the executive level, you know, 
tenure and ex- years of experience, titles, and even like a company size and things like that are going to be everyone who's qualified are going to have those same things. That's table stakes. That's not what sets you apart. And so sometimes, you know, you'll see resumes that will say 25 years of experience in marketing leadership. Okay, great. So does everybody else. What did you do in those years? And so understanding what your value is, your accomplishments, how you moved the needle, how you made business, um, you know, how you grew business, how you impacted the business. These are all things you need to gather and have a really clear picture of uh, before you start your search, because otherwise um, you're not setting yourself apart from anybody else in the market. Mm. Yeah, we know we have around five more minutes, and the the other question is um the one the, this is one of my questions just out of curiosity is what is a board resume and a career resume? What's the difference, and what are essential elements um to be make a strong impression on board level recruiters? Yeah, absolutely. So you know, a lot of our candidates have had a strong um, executive career. And they are looking at paid board opportunities, corporate board opportunities, and they're looking to, you know, move into the next phase of their career. And maybe that's kind of that second act sort of idea. And so, you know, we always suggest that they have a career resume, you know, for job search stuff and and a board resume or a board bio for board opportunities. And they can be similar, but the way you want to think about it is the board skills are different because, from a board candidate perspective, you're being brought on as an advisor to the C-level team, not as a tactical doer or executor, right? So the skills around your day-to-day accomplishments, people leadership, um, you know, budget management, all of that stuff aren't really relevant to the board space. You need to think bigger and the areas that you can you can advise a C-level team on strategy and direction and not necessarily um, tactical everyday doing. Yeah. Finally, all you've jumped through all the hoops. You've got it. You talk about salary negotiation secrets. Talk, what are some key strategies that people can employ to successfully navigate better compensation packages? Absolutely. So I am going to be sharing some um, advice that I, again, the general that I mentioned earlier, and I failed to mention his name. His name is Ezra Singer. He's amazing. Um, so if anyone's looking to uh, negotiate packages of over 500,000, definitely reach out to Ezra because he's the adult in the room on this topic. But um, what he suggests and what I've seen it work for candidates at all levels is to not give a salary range in the beginning. So, you know, you get on the phone with a recruiter or, you know, whatever it is. And one of the first questions is what is, you know, what is compensation you're looking for? Don't give a number because when you give a number, you're immediately capping your opportunity and you're never going to get anything higher than that. You can't go any higher and you don't know what the company had in mind. So a friend of mine recently employed that strategy and they offered the, the recruiter asked and she said, um, you know, I'm sure there's a range for this position. I'd love to know the range. Uh, and then the recruiter gave the range and the range was three times her current salary. She would have never mentioned that number. Um, but, you know, not being the first to put a number out there is really helpful in keeping you from capping that opportunity. Mm. That's interesting. It's always the first person that says the number is actually it's there's a negotiation secret where it's like if the first person with a number is actually at a disadvantage. I always like to ask, like, you know, what's the budget? That way you can kind of figure it out. Uh, Yeah, very interesting conversation. How can people find out more about you? So people can find me um, if, um, you know, feel free to follow me on LinkedIn. I give a ton of content and advice on job search strategy, 
um, board searches, things like that. So um, on LinkedIn, it's Deborah Boggs, D-E-B-R-A-B-O-G-G-S. And you can learn more about my company and our services for executive job seekers at dscareermanagement.com. Yeah. For all the audience out there listening, Deborah, for coming on, give her a follow on our socials. And with that, thanks so much for coming on to the podcast. Thank you so much, Christopher. This was a lot of fun.